but I miss choirs. Hmm? Sometimes you don't know how much you miss things until you have to do without them. I miss being able to read your faces when I was preaching. You're like a bunch of bank robbers out there. I'm just a verbal of uh, visual cues. But Philip, thank you for your hard work today. Lord, as you know, just help us. A couple of weeks ago, Kathy and I had the privilege of spending a week at the beach. Needed that. We all need a little recharge occasionally. We were at Topsail Island, outside of Wilmington. Went with uh, a friend and his wife. We've been friends for 40 years. He's a former pastor, a therapist, psychologist. He's always a good person to talk to. And you know how the beach is. You, you walk and you eat good seafood and sit around and talk, watch a little baseball. The more we talk, the, the more we realize, number one, aging isn't for sissies. We're getting older, and we talked a lot about our colleagues and friends and acquaintances whose lives had taken some significant turns for the worse. We talked about wayward children and dying parents <laughs> in a country that seems to be coming loose and sliding into a dark place. And we talked about a lot of things that made us, honestly, a little sad and fearful about the future. At one point, Steve said, Bill, do you still talk about that, that TBI thing that you talk about? <laughs> he had been on staff with me at one time, and I talked about it then. And I promise I don't always use initialisms. Last time I talked about me before you, remember that? I said, you mean TBI, YTC? He said, yeah, you still believe that? Now, TBI, YTC is uh, part of my password for my phone. <laughs> Only parts I use. Well, actually, I'll give you the whole thing. You can take my phone and keep it, please. Yeah, TBI, YTC is what I have to type in on my phone to get in. The reason I use it is I need to be reminded, T-B-I-Y-T-C, which stands for the best is yet to come, T-B-I-Y-T-C. And, and the reason I, I make it my password is some days I don't believe it, like you. A lot of people. Because what we really believe is the best has yet has already been, not yet to come. And I'm in churches every week where I get the sense that most people think the best is behind us. And the future, whew, man, that looks pretty rough. Grim at best, right? Maybe I'm the only one. 
But, but I put that in there so that I can be reminded of what the Bible teaches and what Jesus lived and what I actually believe, even if I don't see it. But the best is yet to come. Now, the Bible is full of texts and scriptures that talk about the future. Some about the past and a lot about the present. But this one, especially, Revelation 21, I probably have used it at several hundred funerals. When we're really thinking about the future on the other side, you know these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride is adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. And he will wipe every tear from your eyes. Death will be no more, and mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. The best is yet to come. Right? Now that text has inspired people for thousands of years and instilled hope and hopelessness. at the beach and spent a lot of time watching the ocean and it reminded me that in scripture we look into a world that is different than ours. Do you know how the children of Israel saw the ocean? It wasn't a place you go to get a tan, <laughs> not a spring break. get away from reality. It wasn't where you built a vacation home. They, they didn't have the weather channel, <laughs> you know. So the ocean, the, the sea, was the place where the unexpected came and wrecked havoc in their life. The sea. <laughs> uh, the ancient cartographers, the map makers, would depict the sea with what? Sea monsters. Because their boys, their husbands, their sons especially, would go off to sea and never come back. Swallowed up by tides. The sea, the sea was the place of vengeance. It's the sea that swept people away and flooded their cities. Remember watching the tsunami in 2004 in Southeast Asia? Those poor people, 230,000 people died in 10 minutes. Or Japan in 2011, watching the sea come in and just decimate whole communities. The sea was the enemy. The, the sea was where evil, dark, awful things came from. thought about that watching that calm Atlantic Ocean, what it was like when the hurricanes blew through the house we were staying in, the one set of stairs had been condemned because back in July it got 
filter by a hurricane. We looked at where the water had come and it ended, didn't we? And all of that brought to mind this text, which a few years ago I was reading at a, at a funeral and I, I realized I had skimmed over three words that I had never really paid attention to. And I vowed to go back to my office and study a bit. Verse 1, let me reread it, see if you catch it this time. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, check. But the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, got it. And there was no more sea. Do you get that? There was no more sea. What does that mean? There, I just had never noticed. There's no more sea. In this idealized future, there's no more darkness. There's no more cancer. There's no more congestive heart failure diagnosis. There are no more broken marriages. There's no more unpredictability. There's no more storms blowing into your life. There's no more unexpected calamity. There's nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> There's no more sea. Now, before you, the fishermen in the room get anxious, understand this is somewhat symbolic. I know there's going to be fishing in heaven because there's going to be golf courses in heaven and we're going to have you know a good time up there. You know what they're saying? What, what John the Revelator is saying is on the other side, there'll be no more this unpredictable, crazy life. Aren't you glad? The best really is yet to come. And you say, well, great. Can't wait to get there. But what does that do for me today? If you're thinking, and I hope you are, that's all well and good for heaven, but what about 2021? <laughs> that's where we live. And it's our future that we're anxious about. It's on this side of the grave that we're most worried about, right? I'm not really worried about what happens after I die. I trust God completely. But what about this side of the grave? We've got some rough seas around us, have you noticed? Choppy water, storms. We could tell the rest of the afternoon stories of the storms in your life and mine. We're living in today. But what does that text have to say about that? I'm glad you asked. Jesus. You know, it's the answer to every question. Remember back in Matthew 8, there's this interesting story about Jesus. He's out in a boat with some disciples. A storm comes up. On the sea, not the lake, the sea, same word. And the disciples are quite worried. 
The storm is crashing. In fact, their boat is being swamped, verse 23, by the waves, and he is asleep. It's a big enough storm that is crashing over the gunnels on the ship, and he's sleeping through it. Interesting. So they went and shook him awake. Said, Lord, save us. We're going under. We're perishing. This wasn't some little squall. This is, this is, we're going down. And he said to them, why are you afraid? By the way, he's speaking to you today. But why are you afraid of the storm? Oh, you of little faith. Amen. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was dead calm. Get that in your head for a minute. Waves crashing over means and dead calm. Not just they calm down, dead calm. Matthew's trying to make a point here, right? We got a mirror surface. And they were amazed and said, What sort of man is this that even, even the winds and the sea obey him? Even the sea obeys him. See, Jesus is trying to tell them something about this side of the grave. It's not just when the roll is called up yonder, it's going to be great. It's between now and then, even the sea obeys him. Well, what do you mean? Well, I think what he means is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be the people of little faith. Be the people of great faith. Believe that T-B-I-Y-T-C means between now and your funeral and not just after. Are you a big enough boy or girl in the faith to believe that? Sometimes I wonder things I hear people saying in church makes me think we're little baby Christians. And the storms we face frighten us so we forget who we are and whose we are. The voice is yet to come, right? And I know that <laughs> on my best days, and the reason I have to type it in my phone is a lot of days I forget it, but it's still true. Despite what the statistics tell us about the church and about us, I actually believe this stuff. This is a moment in your church's life story that is a pivotal moment when you decide, do you actually believe the gospel? Do you actually believe God wants to transform this city through the lives of the people in this room? you really want to do that? Or do you want to come play church? And I confess there are days I just want to just play church. Get a little dose of spirituality, go eat lunch, go do my thing. 
But the invitation that Jesus is offering his disciples is not to be blown around by the storms, but to be able to walk on water in the middle of it. To be able to master whatever comes your way with a faith that is insurmountable by what's going on in the world. As that phrase Corey Ten Boom taught us, when someone asked her, how do you stay calm in the midst of all the things? She said, the storms are around me. They are not within me. How do we become a people who see the storms and see them not as our destiny, but as, as the winds we're going to have to endure and even use? Good sailors know that uh, the wind can be your friend, right? You can use the wind to pull a sailboat forward. In fact, good sailors don't want a straight tailwind. They want a, a quartering wind or even a headwind because they know how to tack and to use the, the wind, the headwind, to help them move forward. Across the ages, God has always stood in front of his people saying, follow me, let's go. I'm ahead of you, and I've been behind you, to be sure. But from Genesis 12 forward, Abraham, he comes to one of the most successful farmer operations you've ever seen, and he says, I want you to leave it all and come and follow me. I'll make you a blessing, and I'll bless other people through you. And it began a story that was repeated over and over again, the people of Israel leaving the security of Egypt to go to a promised land. All the ways the prophets invited people to follow a different voice than the one of the day. When Jesus came up on these boys fishing, he said, leave those nets. Come on, let's go. I've got a better job for you. You can fish for people, not just And he called people out of trees, and he called people from their family, and he called people to come and follow me. They even were called the people of the way. There's a way forward into the kingdom. And there were certainly times when the disciples were overwhelmed by the storms of the day, no more so than on Friday, the night that he was crucified. They were hiding under their beds and wondering if there's going to be a tomorrow. And it was the women <laughs> who said, guys, come on, let's go. He's alive. We can lean into the future and not be afraid. He's conquered even death. And it slowly dawned on them, oh, he was telling the truth. The future is not a place to be feared. The future is filled with hope and possibility. And Emmaus and his friend had this moment of revelation when they broke bread and they ran seven and a half miles to go to the Savior. He's alive. We don't have to be afraid. Come out from under your beds. Come out from hiding. And let's, let's go turn the world upside down. The best is yet to come. And not just in heaven. It's now. We forget why I have to type.
to them. Do, do, nine, one, two, three, Bills. Remember that today. That's why I don't watch the news most nights. <laughs> That's why I've quit doing a lot of doom scrolling on Facebook and Instagram because you know what that message is? This world's crazy. I need to counter that with this world. The best is yet to come. One of the earliest documents found other than Scripture comes from the third century that corroborates the existence of the church. A man named Cyprian was writing a friend, Donatus, in Greek. Here's what he wrote. This is a fragment of a note that we found. <coughs> this seems a cheerful world, Donatus, when I view it from this fair garden under the shadow of these vines. Hmm. But if I climb some good, great mountain and look out over the wide land, you know very well what I would see. Brigands on the high road, that's bandits, Pirates on the seas. In the amphitheaters, men murdered in order to please the applauding throng. Under all roofs, misery and selfishness. It is really a bad world, Donatus, an incredibly bad world. But he didn't stop there. Yet, of it, I have found a quiet and holy people. They have discovered a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of this sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They have overcome the world. These people, Donatus, are the Christians, and I am one of them. third century sounds like the 21st century to me. And sometimes I wonder if we need a Cyprian to remind us, friends, TGIYTC, get your head up. You know who you serve? The risen Savior. A man who can command a sea to be calm. You know what you have to look forward to, not just on the other side, but you have the presence of a God who will never leave you nor forsake you. That will give you the gift of endurance so that true love can endure all things. The best is yet to come. say that with my eyes wide open. And I've got family members who have cancer. Who are estranged from their children. My best friend found out last week he's got Parkinson's disease. I've dealt with three pastors this week who are being fired. 
DIY